Now, two scriptures today. One comes from the Gospel, uh, and the other comes from uh, the book of Revelation. But turn with me first, if you would, either in your Bibles or uh, on your phones, to um, the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, the beautiful resurrection story. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was this great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. Just unbelievable unbelievable things happening. I understand it. If you're struggling, say, how could that happen? Hey, understand, it was just as surprising for Mary Magdalene that morning. It was just as surprising for the Roman soldiers. Um, This angel appeared, and his appearance was like lightning, verse 3, and his clothing was white as snow. And for the fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, don't be afraid. Oh my goodness, there's one thing that you hear today. Don't be afraid, right? I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he has risen. As he said, come, see the place where he lay. Note that word, come. Come. See the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, look at this, he says, he's going before you to Galilee and there you will see him. See, I have told you. And so the two Marys departed quickly, Matthew tells us, from the tomb with fear, look at that, and great joy and ran to tell his disciples, and behold, Jesus himself met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and they worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. The very word of God. Oh, thank you, God. Now turn with me to the to the back of the book, would you? To uh, Revelation. And we're going to pick up the story. You'll see during our study of Revelation that we're going to move very quickly. And so um, a couple of things will happen. Lord willing, um, some of the things that we learn and we study together will prompt you and you'll go back afterwards and look um, and look more in depth at the passages that we've um, that we've studied together. But then also, each week we'll kind of tell you um, what's coming. Next week we're going to be exploring um, uh, probably one of the more significant portions here about our future, the seven seals. And, um, and we invite you to read in advance of next week being together, Revelation 6 and 7. But today we are going to be in Revelation 4 and 5, and time won't allow me to read the whole thing. So I just want to read a couple portions of it, if I could, to kind of give you a picture, and then we'll unpack it together. Revelation 4, verse 1. After this, 
In other words, after this, um, this revelation of the things that, that Jesus wanted to say to the churches in the present, after this, John says, I looked and behold, a door was standing open in heaven. It just smacks, doesn't it, of Jesus' words to um, the church of Philadelphia back in chapter 3. Remember when we studied that? He said, behold, I have set before you, church, I have set before you an open door which no one is will be able to shut, right? I know that you have but little power, Jesus had said to the church, and yet you have kept my word and you have not denied my name. I have set before you an open door. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what, may, what must take place after this. And at once, John says, I was in the spirit and, and behold a throne. Behold, the throne stood in heaven and the one seated on the throne. And he describes that. Uh, it's, it's absolutely beyond his ability. I want to just note right here, he sees one on the throne. He's getting a vision of the living God. But all that he can describe is not, he doesn't say he had blue eyes and, and brown hair. He doesn't try to describe God. What he ends up describing is this fantastic vision of the majesty and glory of God on his throne. How many times over the last year have we said to one another, God's still on the throne? Amen. Right? God is still on the throne. And, and John gets to see it not just with the eyes of faith, but he gets to see it with his literal eyes. I want you to note something right here, though. Look in verse 4. Around the throne of God, there were, there were 24 thrones. And seated on those thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. In other words, uh, surrounding the throne of God was the, the elders of the people of God sitting also on their thrones. Keep that in mind because we're going to see um, the, the secret to the book of Revelation is that it's not a one, let me start on your side, one linear um, course of events. We're so used to, in our Western world, saying A, B, C, D. We're used to a linear course of events. The secret to Revelation is this repetition. It tells the same story three major times and seven times in total. And, and, and each time it tells it in the book of Revelation, it, it intensifies. It intensifies. On repetition and intensification is what's going on in the book of Revelation. We get to see that right here, right? There is a throne. There is God on the throne. There are 24 elders surrounding him. Now look in verse um, 
where is it? Verse 7, 6 and a half, 7. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, were four living creatures. John sees the same vision that, that Ezekiel saw in chapter 1. A vision where every wild animal, symbolized by the lion and the, and the greatest of the wild animals, every tame animal, symbolized by the ox, every human being, every bird of the air, every fish of the sea is represented worshiping the living God, right? And, and um, these, these angelic beings, these, um, uh, uh, one biblical author calls, calls them cherubim, and one of them calls them seraphim. They're these winged creatures that, that surround the throne of God and give him praise. So John, if you're feeling overwhelmed, imagine what John was experiencing, right? He sees God on his throne. He sees the 24 elders around. He sees these four living creatures. And then he hears. Seeing and hearing in Revelation are are two really important aspects of it. He sees and hears these four living creatures Say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Kristen, would you just say that out loud for me? And, and, and I want you to watch what happens as, as the four living creatures begin to worship. I want you to watch what happens over creation. And the reason I want you to watch it is because do not underestimate the power of your life in other people's lives, right? We know that in so many ways. When, when you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and, and sacrificially love other people, other people's lives are changed. But here's what you might not realize. When you worship, when you speak the truth of Jesus Christ and, and worship Him, then what happens is it's like a, 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 a for example, I apologize, a contagion, right? It's, it's like a, a virus and other people begin to worship. The four living creatures cried out in this plaintive voice, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Watch what happens. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast down every every crown, every reward that God honored them with for their faithfulness on earth. They cast it down before the throne. And now, instead of four living creatures worshiping, now we have 28 beings worshiping and they say worthy are you our lord and god to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their existence right a lot of you memorized that scripture when you were when you were doing discipleship essentials you are worthy god and look what happens when we put god in his rightful place when we honor God for who He is and all His glory, then, then, I saw in the right hand of Him who is seated on the throne a scroll written within, in other words, written on the front of it, and also, as the scroll was rolled up, written on the back of the scroll, and sealed with seven seals. Now, about 6.30 this morning, I was rolling up a scroll, 
and I um, got a wax seal, and I, I um, sealed that scroll five times. You said, wait, didn't it say seven? Um, yeah, because by the fifth seal, I had messed that puppy up so much you wouldn't believe it. It was unrecognizable, so I got another one out. I raided the children's ministry department, got another scroll, rolled it up, tried to visualize a scroll with seven seals here today with me, if you would. Um, why, why seven seals? Um, it, it turns out that... Um, that for when someone made a vow or an attestation, someone made a will, it had to be witnessed um, by at least in the Hebrew culture four in the Roman culture in which they lived seven people. And, and, and what they did was take their signet ring and you said, well, how, did everybody have a signet? All the people who were legal to be able to witness to it did. And they would stamp that will. Um, I write a will, I, I roll it up, um, seven witnesses stamp it to say we witness what he said is true. We do this today, you know that, right? Anybody who has to do a power of attorney, right? You have to get two or three witnesses, right, to do that. And they sign their name. Many of them were illiterate. They, they sealed it with their seal. And then, and then when the person was ready, if the person may be passed on or the, the, scroll, the will was ready to be open, then at least four of those seven people had to be present there and say, that's my seal. I, I attest that this is what the originator intended. And so um, John sees um, this a scroll in the hand of the living God, which which um, John is just like, like that child wanting to get on the ride. John's wanting so much to know what is in the scroll. What is it that God has bequeathed to His people? What is it that is our future and our meaning and our purpose? Um, but there's seven seals in in the way, and there's nobody there who is worthy of breaking those seals. There's nobody who can say, "I attest that this is true." And he weeps. He weeps. You get that close to God's purpose for your life. You get that close to understanding why you exist and what humanity is all about. All those questions that we wrestle with as we lay our head on the pillow at night. He's that close to, to seeing the answers. And, and, and no one is worthy. And then an elder says, stop, stop weeping. I was so tempted to say, there's no crying in heaven, but I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure glad I didn't do that. He says, stop weeping, John, for there is someone, right? There is someone who is worthy. The lion, he says, John hears these words, the lion of Judah prophets had talked about, the root of David that the prophets had talked about. He's, he has conquered. The lion of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scrolls with its seven seals. And John looks up looking for a lion, looking for the root of David. And he doesn't see a lion. He doesn't see a tree. He sees instead between the throne and the four living creatures. In other words, at the right hand of God the Father. And among the elders, he sees a lamb, verse 6 of chapter 5, standing as though it had been slain with seven horns, in other words, all-powerful, 
and seven eyes completely filled with the Spirit of God, the whole Spirit of God. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense. So we went from four creatures worshiping to twenty-four elders worshiping. Now twenty-eight um, people combined to say, Worthy are you. Have you heard that word enough yet today? <laughs> Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals. Why? Because you sacrificed your life for us. You were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation. And, and you have given them purpose. You have made them a kingdom and you have made them priests or intercessors between the world and God, and they shall reign on the earth. The the chorus is swelling. The, The music is getting louder. More and more voices are being added to this beautiful scene in the throne room of God. And then I looked, John said, and I heard... Um, around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and now look at this, the voice of many angels numbering myriad, myriads, and thousands of thousands all saying, do you hear what's going on? The worship is growing. It's increasing. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Right? And just when you think your heart can no longer hold anymore... He heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them, every angelic being, every elder, every creature, every human, every fish, every animal on earth, saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And, and like a good Baptist preacher, um, they said, can I get an amen? amen? And all creation, all creation said, yes, so be it. That's what amen means. So be it. Let it be so. So before we get in the weeds, <laughs> which I've artfully handed off to other people to preach on in the coming weeks, before we get in the weeds of of the, um, the terrible things that are going to happen in the world, before we get in the weeds of that, I want you to keep first and foremost the vision of God's glory and Jesus' worthiness in your mind. Because there's going to come times, and, and maybe you're there already, when, when you are going to feel that weight of unworthiness. Right? We, we are broken people, amen? And, 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 and we sin against one another. We say things and do things to hurt one another, even the people we love the most, right? And, and, and it's so easy to begin to believe the lies that, that the sum of our eternity is based on the falling short of the glory of God and Jesus says, the Lamb says, it just is not so. I bore that punishment on myself. I overcame your sin. I overcame your disease. I overcame even death so that you might live. Do you see why the two Marys ran from the tomb? 
They didn't understand all the intricacies of this, but they got a glimpse of it. Do you see why, why the elders and the angels and the, and all of those clothed in white who had gone before us um, fell down and worshiped because they understood the majesty and the glory of what was going before them? Oh, what can we, what can we take from this? Um, I want to just note a couple housekeeping things about the book of Revelation. So, again, the whole first chapter was about things that John had already seen. Chapters 2 and 3 were about um, uh, what is happening right now in the church age. So, so Revelation 2 and 3 had powerful things to speak to us right now in the world. And, and overarching, do you remember in, in Revelation 2 and 3, overarching was hold on. Hold on. Don't be afraid and don't give up. It's not about you. It's about me, Jesus says, over and over again to those churches. But now, but now we have this privilege for these next ten weeks or so to uh, have the veil pulled back, to look into God's future, to grasp God's purpose, to find meaning and purpose for our lives. I just really want to invite you deeply into that. So, so what do we have today? What visions did God give John in Revelation 4 and 5? He gave him a vision of a throne room, of a throne room that's existing right now. Um, so many times I ask people, where is Jesus? And, and, um, and, and everyone says, well, he's in my heart, and I love you for that. I love that response. Um, but, but what's in your heart is the presence of God through his Holy Spirit. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God right now, interceding for us. And John got a vision of that throne room. John got a vision of, of God's meaning and purpose in this scroll. Don't, wouldn't you love to know what's written in that scroll? You're gonna get, you're gonna get to find out. Because Jesus is gonna open that scroll. Uh, and, and at the end of our study of Revelation, we're gonna open that scroll together. It's, it's gonna be so exciting. But between here and there, there are seven seals on that scroll, which only one is worthy to break. And each time he does, um, the judgment of God begins to fall. All those people who have suffered unjustly, those who are suffering right now, unjustly. God begins to make right all the wrongs that we as human, um, it will be honestly frightening, but um, each time that, that Jesus breaks one of the seals, we get that much closer to that time when there is no more tear, where there is no more sadness, where there is no more sin, disease, or death. So we have this vision in John of uh, John 4 and, Revelation 4 and 5 of a throne and of a scroll. Uh, but don't miss this. Because Jesus, I mean, we saw uh, on, on um, uh, Good Friday that, or excuse me, on Palm Sunday that he came into town on a donkey. We saw that he came in as a suffering servant. And, and we promised, we said, you know, he did do that the first time he came to offer himself in our place, a sacrifice for our sin. But he's coming again, right? He's coming again and he's coming not on a donkey, right? And, 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 and so we're so ready in Revelation 4 and 5 to say, is this it? 
Is this the white horse? The white horse is coming. The white horse is coming. But don't miss the importance of the lamb. Because if you don't understand the lamb, you won't understand Jesus' second coming. Do you remember when Jesus was, or excuse me, when God was delivering um, the people of Israel from their bondage in Egypt, he asked them to, to sacrifice a lamb and to put the blood of that lamb on their doorposts and lintel. Note that he didn't say, I want you to find the people that are worthy in your house and put the blood on their forehead. He didn't do that. He, he said, just put it on the, your doorposts. The sign of your worthiness is not your righteousness. Paul says all of our righteousness is like filthy rags, right? Um, the sign of our worthiness is not what we do. The sign is what the Lamb did, right? Um, the gospel is not spelled D-O. It's not spelled do, do this, do that. The gospel is spelled D-O-N-E. It has been done for you. That's why Mary rejoiced at the tomb. That's why the disciples ran, Peter and, and John ran to the tomb. That's why, why um, Thomas said, I've got to see this with my own eyes in order for me to believe. That's why they all celebrated the resurrection because the lamb was worthy. The lamb was worthy. So my question for you, this, this Easter, with all this apocalyptic imagery going on, I know it's overwhelming. Have you received that precious gift? Have you said, I'm not worthy, but I'm willing to put my trust in the blood of the lamb? And if you have, then... Um, then it, it does not mean that you will never have struggles. It does not mean that you will not have pain until these events are fulfilled and happen for us. There will be pain. There will be sorrow. But your eternity will be secure. Pray with me, would you? Oh, God, thank you. Thank you that you always reveal yourself to us. Thank you that even now, God, you're pulling back the veil, which is over many of our hearts. And, and though we have every spring celebrated the resurrection, we never understood the glory and the majesty and the beauty of it. Oh God, open, open the seals that, 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 that guard our hearts. Break them open and allow us to seek with John, the glory of the Lamb of God. And I thank you. I thank you, God, that we don't have to ask ourselves any longer. Like the elder, we don't have to say who is worthy. We, we know who is worthy. You are worthy, Jesus. So today, on Easter Sunday, we confess that you are worthy of our praise. We believe, Jesus, that you died for us on the cross. We believe that in raising from the dead, you broke the power of sin over anyone who would trust you. We believe, God, that you validated everything that Jesus said and did 
by raising him from the dead, we believe, Jesus, that even now you're seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, crying out for us, pleading before the Father, not because of our worthiness, but because of your love for us, pleading that God the Father might grant to us that mustard seed of faith that would enable us to say your